Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Embracing Enough podcast. I've always said that one thing is for sure, it's that women and girls have some incredible stories to tell. And that's what we do here. We share our stories in the hope that it allows others to feel seen, to feel heard, and hopefully less alone. This is your host, Dina Skippa, founder of Enough Labs, and I am so excited that you're here. I'm an empowerment coach, gender equality advocate, motivational speaker, and a goal-crushing boss. And this show is your guide to all things confidence, mindset, growth, and resilience, all in the spirit of helping you to embrace how enough you truly are. Myself and some incredible guests will be coming to you each week to drop some gems. The goal is to offer you the space in creating a vision that supports you in your relationships, creating work-life balance, and be more aligned with your truth. Our mission is to help you do all of this while embracing how enough you already are and embodying the essence of joy, abundance, and permission every step of the way. Consider me your personal coach through these episodes and think of me as your confidant, your ally, and most importantly, your sister friend. Are you ready? Let's get started. All right, we are back with another exciting episode of Embracing Enough, the podcast brought to you by Enough Labs. I am your host, your girl, Dina, founder and CEO of Enough Labs, and so excited to bring you today's episode with the unapologetic, fierce, badass dating coach, Lily Womble, who is the founder and CEO of Date Brazen. It is a breath of fresh air on this much needed conversation of helping supporting women find the love that they deserve and take up the space that they need in the world. We are going to get into such a juicy conversation about who Lily is, what she does, but I have been looking forward to this conversation. God, for like ever since I met you, Lily, thank you for joining. I'm so glad to be here, Dina. Thank you for having me. So excited. This is going to be great. It already is. (laughs) It already is because you are. Because you are. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, Lily, here on Embracing Enough, we start every episode off with each guest just letting us into their story. Because I personally feel that when we as women share our stories, we help others who may be in very similar situations just feel more seen, heard, and ultimately less alone. That's the hope, right? And I just feel like I know your story, but I would love for you to share with the listeners your story, who you are, and how you came to be this fierce and badass dating coach that you are today. Thank you. Okay, so we have so much in common, Dina, that we have talked about. So I began my career in like the feminist advocacy nonprofit world. Uh, and, you know, I consider beginning my career in um, in high school, really, of like starting, a, started an, a, a coalition of young people to support the anti-sex trafficking coalition in Alabama, where I'm from, and and organizing humans was a huge part of my DNA. I wanted to move people to action and, and, uh, you know, mobilize folks for um, justice. Um, 
And so that, that career carried into working for women's foundations um, in the South where I'm from. And uh, then ultimately getting a job at like a, a big women's funding organization for international women's rights and development work. Um, and so when I burnt out of nonprofit life, which is, is a thing, some, some are want to do, um, uh, I took a really hard left turn and I moved to New York and I, I knew that I wanted to pursue performing and acting and uh, musical theater. So I really busted my ass to try to do that life. And so I moved to New York um, about like eight years ago and uh, had 50 jobs. I was like a nanny and uh, I was a, um, I worked at a church and then I also worked as a balloon hat maker at Senior Frogs in Times Square. Did you know that? Your no, I did like, not. I'm that. learning so much about you. <laughs> I know because you listen to, because you know so much about me because we're friends and because you listen to my podcast, I wanted to like spice it up for you. I wanted to like add the spice. Yes. Anyway. So yeah, I can make a penis balloon hat like coming into a pair of lips because- Which is such a needed skill in what you do today. Like, yes. (laughs) There was a group coaching session where I brought out the balloons like at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was so delightful to like, just mix it up and do something off the wall, bizarre and funny. And my clients loved it and I loved it. So anyway, I needed another job because I lived in New York and I had no money. And I ended up finding a, a job application for a matchmaking position at the largest national firm in the U.S. And so I thought this would be a funny story about how I was a matchmaker, you know, when I lived in New York. And I got into the job and I realized that I really loved it. That I loved, I loved working with women on their dating lives. That dating actually, I, I have this, I had and have this passion for women to thrive and 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 this this desire to help women thrive and you know had a bit of an identity crisis when i left the nonprofit world of who am i to not pursue you know helping people professionally and i'm disconnected from my purpose because i'm just serving myself right that was a big thing yeah and so once i sort of healed from that and allowed myself to have space away from the serving position i got into matchmaking i was like oh my god i could just support women to be well because they have this issue with their dating lives that I can show up and help them. And so I got really good at matchmaking. I became the third most successful matchmaker out of 160 at this national firm. And uh, it became my full-time gig. And so I was matching hundreds of people, having thousands of phone conversations with potential folks for my clients and, uh, and, and seemed from the outside seemed to be thriving. But in my personal life, I was struggling immensely. Like I considered myself a late bloomer. I didn't have very many relationships romantically as an adult. I didn't have sex until like my mid twenties. I just felt like behind in all of the ways. And then I found myself with this guy who I met, who, you know, seemed to meet my checklist. And, um, and, and it was a really hard, relationship um in which our needs were totally incompatible but i was clinging on for dear life because i wanted to prove to myself that what i wanted was possible so i remember um you know matchmaking at the same time and giving advice to my clients that was very out of alignment with the advice that i was taking for myself 
And at that, it was a breaking point. I was like, I'm out of alignment. I feel totally like toxic for myself because I'm not living my values right now because I'm scared and I need support and I don't know where to get it. And so when I found the courage to leave that relationship and I needed support in my love life, I looked around for it. I looked to my therapist who I loved, but who hadn't dated in, you know, 30 years. So she, she's like, what is a dating app? <laughs> she's, she's like all this cliche yeah. conventional dating advice that I knew didn't work. I looked to my friends and family who said things like, Oh, well, you know, it'll be fine. Just keep download another app or keep swiping or go on more dates or just try to get out there and like put yourself on a throw the spaghetti against the wall. Right. And I knew from experience that that advice only led to more burnout, dissatisfaction and disengagement and despair because of the cognitive load our brain carries with dating. And then I looked at matchmaking. And matchmaking, while it was uh, you know, a solution that worked for some, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna down it. it, it's a solution that worked for some, it did not lead to long-term love for most people. And it was a first date solution, right? And I knew that I did not need a first date solution. I needed something deeper. Because why did I get in that relationship in the first place, right? So I began learning uh, the skills of date coaching and coaching in general. And I began to explore beneath the surface of my checklist to what I really deeply desired and what were the stories standing in my way of believing that I was enough, believing that I was worthy of what I wanted. Because at the end of the day, I think I got into really bad first dates and, 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 and relationships that didn't serve me because I was ultimately afraid of not being enough or being too much. Like it was one or the other. And, uh, and so I attracted people who believed I was too much because I was exuding this energy of, I'm trying to tone it down, but I don't know how to, and I don't know what, to, you know? So, so I began to date coach myself and I began to build this solution that I now call uh, the brazen breakthrough. Um, which allows you to reflect and go deeper first and then build a tactical strategy to live out your deeper values, your deeper, deeper courage in your dating life and to accept them more that you deserve. And so I was started to date coach my matchmaking clients, like in secret, they didn't know I was doing it. And they started to find better dates for themselves than I or any other matchmaker could find for them. They started to exude this confidence and they started to live their courage. They started to ask for more in person. They started to uh, bless and release um, and so people who weren't, weren't right for them. And so I, I realized that this was the deeper solution that they needed and that I needed. And for me, that work meant that I felt happy being single for the first time in my life. And that I also was able to attract and recognize the love of my life, Chris who is not somebody that I would have originally said was on my checklist. And so, and for my clients, you know, they were thriving too. So I broke up with matchmaking about four years ago and I, uh, I built date brazen. And so now I get to help thousands of women around the world build courageous, joyful, uh, dating lives that lead to, um, you know, feeling badass first of all, and then cherry on top lead to extraordinary relationships. Cause that is the bonus. That's just a bonus. It yeah. is. And oh my God, I just have chills about the entire story that brought you to this moment and all of its twists and turns. Yes. I also want to talk about something. Okay. So 
You are one of the few people that I know in my life who was raised in the Deep South. Okay. And I'm just curious about, and I haven't been to Alabama, although I do feel like I will visit there one day. I'm just curious about... I was about to make a really bad joke about Afghanistan. Like, <laughs> I was about to make a really bad joke about, like, ah, you've been to... I've been to Afghanistan, South Sudan, but I've never made it to Alabama. <laughs> yeah. I'll make it one day. I know I will. And There's some good stuff to see. A thousand percent. Now, this is not, like, a, a judgmental question, because I, I am from Massachusetts, so one who's listening might think that this is where it's going, but I'm curious about... You know, you talk a lot about how you embrace your too muchness or that story around being too much. I'm curious yeah. how growing up in Alabama, like sort of in, influenced that story that you tell, that you were believing about being yeah. too much. And like what yeah. what those, before you were calling them essence-based preferences, like how was seeing relationships around you in the South and what was expected of women. Like, how did it all come to pass? Oh, my God. Coalesce. To yes. Right now. Yeah. Um, so I was reflecting on this the other day. I don't think I think about it very often. But I grew up in the church. I grew up in the, in, in the Christian faith. Um, I don't identify anymore with. Um, and I grew up in a place where women were not supposed to be leaders, where women were not actu actually actively pushed out um, of leadership roles um, in the conservative um, environment in which I was raised. Um, there were exceptions to this. There were churches that had women leaders, but we didn't attend one. And so I grew up with this energy of wanting to lead. I remember being asked as a, as a kid, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I would say, like, be on Broadway, and I want to be a leader. And people were like, well, you can't just say you want to be a leader. What do you, you know, what, what kind of, what do you want to do? So I had this energy of I want to get on stage. I want to help people. I want to um, perform, and I want to guide, and I want to lead. You want to take up space. Act, take up space. And there's this active, like, pushing down. My parents, luckily, were so supportive, so encouraging both and I was in environments in the church and at school in which like my opinion was not as important as a, as a young woman, um, that, that people actively, um, uh, didn't want me to speak up and, and that I was annoying for doing so or, or worse. And so, um, and I also saw that, you know, I, I remember fearing, I mean, let's get really real. I remember seeing single older women. Yep. And knowing intuitively that they were considered less than. And so I didn't want to be a single older woman, right? Deep sigh right now. Like just, it's, there's just, ugh. And I don't think we talk, I don't, I don't hear that being talked about. Yeah. Though. That there was this like value system placed on being in a, heterosexual, you know, relationship. If Where was, power right? dynamics were clearly outlined and that you didn't yes. rock the boat on that. Yes. I mean, I'm about to marry Chris in May. and Congratulations um, again, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And my lovely, one of my family members who I love so much has harassed me about changing my name. 
she's like, are you not? Why are you not? Why are you not? Why are you not? My opinion, my desire to keep my name is an affront to her value system because a woman is supposed to leave her family, leave her life, leave her identity to become a, uh, a fixture in a man's life, you know, behind every strong man or behind every successful man is a, is a strong woman, right? That bullshit. And even though it's, it, you know, hopefully behind every successful relationship are two strong people who are supporting each other. Hello. So, but, but, but I remember recognizing at a young age, this value system that was placed on a woman is more valuable when she is chosen by a man, a cisgendered man. And so I think that that, and, and that continued into college when I was in a sorority, very like people know me now and they're like, you were in a sorority. I was in it for two years and I got out, but I was in it and it was a small liberal arts school and there were 60 people in the sorority total. And so we knew each other very well. And there was this like celebration of people's engagements and there was a ceremony and we would like, anyway, long story short, I saw that we were celebrating women's engagements more than we were celebrating any other moment in that woman's life. And so I started saying, why don't we have another tradition to also honor people's professional development? They're, they're deciding what, you know, what they're going to do with their lives. All these things. And I started like pushing that idea and like telling my friends about it. And I also might've said some like, you know, questionable stuff about women shouldn't be getting married at age 20 anyway. You know, I, I also was like being very real with, with other people about how I felt. So then I get a call. I was on my way to, have I told you, no. I told you this story. Wait, no, I don't think so. Okay. So I, at the same time, both ends, I was like, we should have this new ceremony. I went to New York to go to the Women in the World Conference. Okay. Like, this was a while back. And then I got invited to AWID by right. this like weird coincidence, meeting a person, Association of Women in Development Conference. I was going to blog from it and like, you know, take do videos and, and interview people and I was on my way to AWID when I get a call from the president of my sorority. Isn't this, isn't this so funny? I get a call from the president of my sorority. I'm going to AWID to fucking go to this like international women's rights conference. And she says, Lily, everybody in the sorority has been telling me that you have been promoting this idea of a new tradition. I just want to let you know that this sorority has been around for a hundred years and we're not going to change a thing. And by the way, employment is nowhere near as important as deciding to get married. And by the way, in my religion, marriage is a, I'm telling you it verbatim what this person said to me. Uh, marriage is a sacrament in my religion. My stomach so, is in knots right now. Just like. And you, well, I'm not done. You, and you, Lily, saying that we need to create a new tradition is disparaging the women who have decided to get married and want to be celebrated and and people oh also i said when i was promoting this idea to my sorry quote sisters i was like i know that women in the south have trouble bragging on themselves right cut to now brazen we brag all the fucking time right i know they have trouble bragging on themselves so i'm willing to go first i want to be celebrated and i know five other women who could be celebrated after me that i want to lift up and she said Lily, people thought you were self-aggrandizing, that you were only promoting this idea because you wanted to be celebrated. And I wish, Dina, that I could say that in that moment I said, okay, thank you, I quit, you know, fuck you. But 
instead I sobbed, I apologized, I felt so defeated, I was rejected for from this group and I felt that I was not normal, you know, in a bad way for wanting to take up more space and wanting to encourage other women to take up more space. And so, and, and honestly, I was miserable all of AWIT because of that conversation. And my mom who went with me, God bless her, was like, Lily, I don't want to talk about your sorority anymore. We're in Istanbul. Like, I don't want to. <laughs> We're kind so, of doing like way bigger things right now. Your sorority. <laughs> We're doing this like big life changing thing that you wanted. So anyway, so anyway, that's my long fucking answer to yeah. your question. Listen, it's all what you have just articulated in, in sharing such a personal story, which I'm so grateful, is why the world is constantly telling women to be less, to take up less space. The comment coming from well, everyone thought you were just being self-aggrandizing, like aggrandizing, like braggy, like that is a horrible thing. Yeah. Sends such a message to you in saying, I don't belong here. Yeah. How shitty of a person am I to want to uplift other women? Am I crazy? Yeah. Or no, I, well, I'm, I didn't, I didn't want to celebrate what other people, like I didn't, I wanted to celebrate more than what was scripted for me to celebrate. Right, right. That And that was not welcome. And I feel like what a beautiful way to illustrate how you, before you even knew it, were charting this new path, blazing this like unwalked trail. And it's scary as fuck. Yeah. And you, seeing your vision come to light in the way that it has, and I've told you, like, I love what you're doing. I love how you step so boldly into it and you share about it so proudly and, and with, like, and courageously and generously. I also want to shed light in this conversation about how hard it is at times mm-hmm. to, like, you were a matchmaker. You saw everything that wasn't working for women cut backwards let's rewind the tape back to like being in college and like seeing how these antiquated systems sorry not sorry are not serving women either Mm -hmm. and and you're going as far to say like i have better ideas of what can serve women like you talk about Mm -hmm. leaving the nonprofit world and not really being of in like service in that traditional way but you Mm -hmm. you're serving women in a in an even bigger way Maybe it's not in a bigger way. It's 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 a different way, and it's it's an incredibly powerful way. Is what it was. Is yeah. What it is. So, I'm curious to hear from you, and I know the listeners would love to hear. Is like, tell us about the moment that you maybe realized like this unconventional approach that you were you're building through the brazen breakthrough. Like, when did it hit you? Like, I think I really have something here. Oh my god. Well, I reflected back on this with Chris and I'm, I'm today you're, you're hitting me in a very like emotional day today in a great way. Like mm-hmm. I just had an amazing therapy session where I had this big breakthrough. Like you're just hitting me on a day where I feel very emotional. Mm-hmm. So I might cry. And okay. That's okay. But I, you know, but I looked at Chris the other day and I was like, Chris, I created, there was nothing. <laughs> 
similar to enough labs like there's nothing you know and we are really charting a new path and that is very scary at times and lonely at times and incredible uh also and i knew that i had something because i was i was actively practicing with my matchmaking clients and i could hear their wheels turning and and really i realized when i realized this lesson that i learned again and again in my life which is that okay so backing up there was a time in my life and i do not need to tell this whole story but there was a time in my life where i thought that amy poehler was the answer to my career We've talked about this. We have talked about this. Go there. Say it. Well, I, again, in college, I found Smart Girls at the Party. I made my own tribute, Smart Girls at the Party, Jackson, Mississippi edition. I went to schools. I talked to young girls about their dreams and ambitions. And um, I talked to my, co- my my classmates and my professors. I made cut together this video with a camera I rented from the library. And I thought, I'm going to you know, an iMovie in my dorm room. And I thought, I'm going to be Amy Poehler's intern. And to give her credit, one of my sorority members who was an excellent friend, I was like, can I do this? And she was like, yeah, like what's stopping you from trying to do this? So I devoted everything in my life to finding Amy Poehler. Like truly, I was like, I'm gonna find Amy Poehler, I'm gonna pitch her face off. And I'm gonna tell her why she needs to hire me on her team to help with the Smart Girls at the Party initiative. And so I worked for months. I truly was a mad woman. Like my parents were concerned. Like the, 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 the most important moments in my life, people around me had thought that I was crazy. I think that when I was looking for Amy Poehler, <laughs> which, is wild. She just needs to meet me. You don't understand. No, I was like, no, I've written the job description that I have created. I have the portfolio together of like what I could offer this company, right? So my parents thought it was crazy. Similar to when I started Date Raven, everybody around me didn't. Nobody got it. Nobody got it. And I was truly like on my own with it, which, which I had my conviction, which was enough because I'm really fucking intense. But back to Amy Poehler, I was searching for her. I, I called, you know, the William Morris entertainment agency, which is the, the one of the biggest agencies in the world. I spoke to Amy Poehler's assistant of the assistant, you know, I had my dry erase board. I was like shaking with this dry erase board with my pitch written out on it. And I remember it so vividly and I was told no. But then that night I went to bed and I was like, thank you, you know, God universe for sending me to sign that this is a door I can close. Right. And then I had a dream that night, Dina, I had a dream that I was sitting in a coffee shop in New York where I didn't live yet. Right. I was in Jackson, Mississippi. I was sitting in a coffee shop in New York and Amy Poehler came to me in the dream, like literally walked in the coffee shop, came up to me and said, Hey Lily, what are you doing right now to, to like meet me or find me? And I told her, like, here's what I'm doing. And she's like, I think you need to keep going in my dream. And then the next day I woke up and was like, I'm going for it. So that's ultimately why I planned that trip to New York, which is why I went to the Women in the World Conference, which is why I met Jane Sloan, who is an incredible change maker in the world today, who at the time worked for a women's microfinance organization. 
Um, and that's why I went to AWID. That's why I got my first job. That's why I like spoke at my first conference. So, um, and, and then later on in my adulthood, remember I said I quit everything and moved to New York to be an actress and meet Amy Poehler in a lobby. What? And I meet at this time, I'm not yet matchmaking. I'm like a little baby New Yorker. Oh my God. There for my first year, my mom, again, my mom's with me. I'm, I'm very close with my mom. And, um, I go up to Amy Poehler and I'm like, Hey, Oh, by the way. Oh, I missed a very important part of this story. I end up meeting Amy Poehler's best friend and co-creator for a meeting. Wow. And she says like, Amy has seen your video. And she said, Lily really gets it. Right. And so, and she was like, we want to offer you a job, which ended up not panning out. So I thought at that time, any day, Amy Poehler's going to call me and like offer me this job. It never happened. So years, you know, again, years later, I'm in New York. I see Amy Poehler. I go up to Amy Poehler. I'm like, hey, I don't know if you remember me. I'm that woman who like created that video and I met your friends and I, and she's like, oh yeah, what are you doing now? And I said, I am trying to be an actress. And she said, that's too bad. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And she was like, because she'd make a good filmmaker. And then I was like, oh, okay, thank you. And thank you so much. So that night I had to, I learned the lesson for maybe the first time in my life that Amy Poehler is not the answer. I am the answer. So it's not that Amy Poehler is going to come and pluck me out of obscurity. Nor is she going to save you. She's not gonna save me. I I am saving. You're myself saving yourself every day. You're the hero in the entire story of Lily Womble. Right. So so I learned that for the first time that night, and then cut to matchmaking years later. I continued to learn this lesson that I am the answer. They are not the nobody else is the answer, and so I thought if that's true for me, then it must be true for them and their love lives too that they are the answer when they have the tools, when they have the reflection, when they have the, when they have the support, they get to be the answer to finding the love of their life. They get to be the answer to, to really knowing how to ask for more. They just need the support to get there and the validation and the tools. Right? So when I started date coaching them, I knew that, Oh, wow this is really fucking powerful because I'm now getting to help them be their own answer instead of them paying somebody else, a matchmaker to be the answer to their love life. Mm. So, so when I started date brazen, I was feeling it. I was feeling so jazzed. My, my matchmaking clients were getting results. I knew that it was going to work. I spent the first year of my business, didn't have one client. I had, I had one client near the end of my first year, made a thousand dollars the first year of my business. And I could have stopped and said, you know what, this, this is not, you know, this is too hard or whatever. But my client, Lee, was getting amazing results. And so I was like, oh, well, if she is, then I can do this for more people. And then the next year we had, you know, 18 clients and the next year, 45 and the next year, you know, like, so, um, so I think that it was really hard to feel lonely sometimes because people around me didn't get it. But here's the deal. Why would they get it, Dina? Why would they get it? They haven't lived the life I have. They don't know what I know. They don't have the qualifications to run a date coaching business. I do. So I'm my own solution. And ultimately they got it. Like a year in, they were like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, oh, Lily, I, I – 
you know, and now a lot of the people who are naysayers for years are like, I wish that I had my own business and I wish that I was doing what you were doing, Lily. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you can, you can be your own solution. Like it takes a lot of work. (laughs) I am so choked up right now because if anyone listening to this episode takes anything away from this conversation, it's the fact that you are your own goddamn solution. And that when we're talking about, like you said earlier, like the loving relationship is the bonus. Like if you are out there blazing a trail that hasn't been done, (laughs) like me, like you, like all of these amazing entrepreneurs that are putting their ideas out there in a scary way, getting other people to understand it and celebrate it with you is also a bonus. Mm -hmm. And not everyone has to understand it in order for it to be worthy. Mm -hmm. I just have chills. And, ah, uh, okay. Whoo, geez. It's just so, so needed. And I'm glad you didn't give up because it is hard yeah. and lonely. Well, I, I ultimately, Dina, I don't think, okay, so when, when people are in the, in the musical theater world, it is tough. I mean, it's like waking up at 4 a.m. to go wait in the line to maybe get seen at the Shrek non-union national tour call, Right which been there been there and people used to say don't do this unless you could do anything else like if you could no if, if you, you could do anything else do it yes. do the anything else don't do this this is too hard and i feel that way about entrepreneurship i feel like i tried to do musical theater i was like Ooh, i can do something else and so but the way i feel about entrepreneurship and the building this business is like i literally cannot imagine I could not imagine even when I had just one client I could not imagine not expressing myself in this way because I knew that I had something and I know you have something so important to share with people because of your years of experience serving so many women around the world like that that it for me and I and maybe for you it's like I I have to express myself in this way Mm -hmm. you know it feels divine yeah it does and so needed so one thing I love about what you talk about is, you know, you talk about dating as a form of self-care and how dating yeah. should, dating should be something that is done with joy, ease, and power. Yeah, it gets to be. It gets to be. It gets yeah. to be. But because, or and, fear is sticky and shame is scary. It's a scary liar. Like... I would just, you've often referred to, uh, you know, in the, in the date brazen community, like dating is a microcosm of everything and where those hard feelings show up. So how do you see dating as a form of self-care and it getting to be something that's done with joy, ease, and power and reconciling those big, scary emotions? Cause I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like someone listening to this would say like, this is a fuck ton of work, but I also recognize mm-hmm. It's possible. So what would you say to that? What would you say to someone who's frustrated with the whole dating app scene, the dating scene, whatever that looks like right now, and hearing you say it's a form of self-care and getting to date with joy, ease, and power? Yeah. So my first response is that joy, ease, and power and shame and fear are not mutually exclusive. 
to each other, right? Like it's not an either or. It's not either I feel shame and fear and that's my reality or I feel joy eats power, that's my reality. It's always the work is integrating so that you can live in the ambiguity and in the both hands. Like have the emotional skill set to know how to see your fear, take care of yourself through it. How do you respond to it? What meaning do you make of it? What stories are you creating from your fear, right? Are they stories that are harmful to your self-worth and your innate power and worthiness? Are they stories or are you just going to really see them as a story from my previous experience and my previous trauma, which are completely understandable, right? So that the tool of self-compassion, I think, is the bridge between understanding why shame is coming up for you, understanding why this fear is coming up for you and loving yourself through it and mothering yourself through it because relationships are scary and putting yourself out there is scary and very vulnerable. We literally cannot control the outcome. And so in that vulnerability, when I say dating can be an act of self-care, it gets to be an act of self-care. When I say dating, you get to be courageous, you get to be ease-filled. It is the skill of having your own back through the process and knowing that you, no matter what, are gonna are, are okay and gonna be okay and that your worth is not tied up in your relationship status or in your you know perceived quote failure in your dating life. Mm-hmm. But it's actually not a failure. You're putting yourself out there and you're we can't control the timing mm-hmm. and that's really hard. So I, I talked about this in group coaching this week, this idea of you know, my clients who are finishing the brazen breakthrough, they have all these tools, they have all of this um, newfound confidence in themselves, they have all of this awareness of the pieces at play in when shame comes up, why, what's beneath that, what what do I need when shame comes up, right, they have all these tools, and yet, they still have this fear sometimes, what if I die alone, what if I'm just a person who doesn't find a relationship, and I use the analogy like, well, what about So you have a desire and the desire is tender. And what if you had a desire to have a kid and that is a really tender desire Mm -hmm. and you didn't know how you were going to make that happen and you had struggled for a long time to make that happen. What is it like to hold a tender desire in the midst of difficulty? And that a lot of times, most of the time people figure out how to build their own family. And that, so it's this tenderness of like holding the desire and taking aligned action to see the desire into reality while also holding the vulnerability and lack of control that, that it takes. So that is a really, that's why the work is so deep. And that's why I don't have like a, a, you know, I do have a step-by-step system, but it's not an easy step-by-step system. It's a very in-depth process of holding yourself through the unknown and being courageous through it and showing up for yourself every single day through it. I love it. And those skills and those muscles that women are building by working with you goes reaches well beyond their dating lives. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing so generously with all that you've built and your story. I'm just curious, you know, as we wrap this episode that I feel like I could keep recording for like six more hours, but you know, 
let's put a pin in it and maybe continue it later because <laughs> um, maybe there's a part two here is where do you Lily, see yourself your work I mean this may be kind of a weird question because we're talking about not controlling you know not not being okay with not controlling the you know the outcome or the future but where do you see yourself in the next couple of years like tell us what you're working on and if you feel comfortable like what are some things that you're actively pursuing that scare you the most oh my god well I love the question and and again like I want to acknowledge that I want to like I want to like state my desire while also knowing that I'm not in control of like how it exactly looks. Yes. So, like the both end of like, yeah, I have huge desires. I want my book that I'm writing the proposal for. I want it to be, um, you know, a New York times bestseller. I want to, um, I want that book to springboard into a, a reality show about like br- dating brazenly and like queer eye, but for dating. Um, and that's like, that's my big desire to like blend my like love of performing and being on stage, being on camera with serving women in in a powerful way. And so, um, you know, that's the, that's the hope. And then I want date brazen to be this massive movement that, that impacts millions of, of people's lives around the world and how they show up for themselves and their love lives and their, their, their courageous lives in general. And I want that, I want Date Brazen to be a company that changes the lives of our employees, right? Like I'm about to hire my first W-2 employee and I want Date Brazen to be a place where like women, people can have babies and take off six months of paid leave and like, you know, and like that, that we can go on vacation and feel free to do so. So I, I have these visions of like creating a more equitable world through this business and, um, also celebrating, um, uh, my own strengths and desires to to like put it out there and to be seen by more people and help more people. And it's always divine to hear answers like the one you just gave because it mirrors the exact same vision I have for Enough Labs yeah. and what it's creating and what, even though the systems that exist that aren't working for women, that aren't working for all people, you get the opportunity to shift that and be bold and courageous in putting that out there. And hell yes to every single part of that vision. I cannot wait for it to show up and surprise the hell out of you how it's going to show up. Thank you. I'm so excited. So I'm excited exc- to see your vision yes. in reality. And, and the book and all, all of these exciting projects that are underway that we get to support each other along the way. Okay. I don't want this episode to end, but I know it has to at some point. So I'm going to close it with two really fun questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. A question I have always wanted to ask you, Lily, is if you'll indulge me, what celebrity would you love to take through the Brazen Breakthrough? And why? Oh my God. Great question. I love that question. Oh my God. I don't, so I don't want to assume that any single person desire you know single woman desires help in their dating lives like I don't want to assume that like Lizzo for example wants like she doesn't need a she, she right. may not want to do this work like but I would love I I think like Lizzo is an excellent her I mean I would love to work with her I would love to work with Jennifer Garner that's who I really that's who I really would love to work with okay. I think like Lizzo and Jennifer Garner is my answer love it okay I love that. 
Who knows? Maybe it'll happen. Maybe they'll Maybe find. Maybe neither of them are single. Who knows right. that either. But. Right. I love it. Well, and then the question I ask all of my guests is the same question that I close out. The title for this show, Embracing Enough, came to me. And it has been just that, this evolution of all of the ways that we each are embracing our own enoughness. And it means something different to every single person. So I ask each guest, when you were invited to Embracing Enough, what does the title of the show mean to you? I think Embracing Enough and Enough Labs are so brilliantly named. Um, I think that it's the process, right? Like I think that the beauty of the name of the podcast, the name of your company, is the labs of it, the process of it, the like being in the process, that it isn't an arrival point, that it is an embracing, it is not embraced like, you know what I'm saying? Like it, we are, we're evolving, we're changing. Um, we are learning every single day. And I, as a recovering perfectionist, like slip so much into the fixed mindset of must be enough already, must feel like enough right now, all the time, must, must be arrived, must be grown enough to whatever. And I think that the, the really embracing the process of the journey here, which is the point of like living, um, is the beauty of, of the name. Love that. For me. Thank you. Thank you for, how Thank can people you. get in touch with you, Lily? That's, that's where we've got to uh, end. Yes. Great. Yes. So you can uh, go to datebraithen.com and if you've been jiving on what I've been sharing and you really want, um, to deepen your, uh, experience of dating as an act of self care, uh, there's a free guide that you can download on my website, three steps to, to make dating feel like an act of self care. Um, and then you can get on my email list and, and um, know when the Brazen Breakthrough is opening next. Uh, and uh, follow me on Instagram at Date Brazen. Love it. Thank you for and today. The podcast and the podcast that, you were on. that I was on. And that every single thing that you're putting out there is fire. So, folks, get on that email list, download the guide, be the first to know when the Brazen Breakthrough is opening because Lily is everything. That was my musical ode to you. <laughs> Thank you, Dina. Thank you. You know I like to sing. I know you do. Do you want to close this out with a little something? I'm kidding. Because I knew you, I have been changed for good. That's just the, like, sappy ending to this episode. I know, and it was perfect. It was enough. It was more than enough. <laughs> Thank you, Lily. Thank you, Dina. Hey friend, thanks for listening. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there, so the fact that you check in with this conversation means the absolute world to me. So I hope that you will join us each week, every Thursday when a new episode drops, because really we're just here having a conversation, looking for new ways to test out how to show up as our confident, badass selves. Because when you think about it, It's all one big experiment, right? Your life can be the lab. You get to find your answer and what feels good for you. If you walk away from this podcast with one thing, let it be you feeling inspired. Inspired to take bold, empowered action on the things that really matter to you. 
So check the show notes and learn how you can stay more connected with all of the exciting things that Enough Labs is doing. And be sure to rate and review this podcast. You know I live for feedback because this podcast is just one of the many experiments that I am having a blast trying out with. And I'm just here to continue to remind you every week to never stop embracing how enough you already are.